Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Good Wednesday, all. Welcome to Locked on ACC, March 11th, 2020. Hi, I'm Brian Lummer. I'm your host. I am from College Troops Digest and FD Schedules. Welcome to the Wednesday program. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, do it at LockedOnACC. You can also email us, LockedOnACC at gmail.com. If you want to follow me specifically, you can also do that. I'm at Sports Matters on Twitter. Before we get started doing this, my, my microphone arm, and I'm kind of going inside baseball a little bit here, so pardon me. My, my microphone arm made this strange kind of sound, almost like a spring was snapping. And if you remember these old cartoons and the sound effects they used to make, kind of the boing sound effect, it sounded like that. Anyway. I digress. Two games yesterday in the ACC tournament and two games that kind of went according to plan and two games that kind of didn't go according to plan. We'll explain as we go along through the program. We'll also get you ready for today's games and break down yesterday's baseball and softball action as well. Some interesting results from yesterday around the ACC. We'll get to that in segment three. First, let's start with Pittsburgh and Wake yesterday. Pitt defeats Wake 81-72, the end of Brandon Childress' career in Winston, sadly. Possibly the end of Danny Manning's career in Winston. I saw a tweet almost immediately as soon as that game was over with that Pat Kelsey should clear his line. Not so sure that's going to happen, and no, I'm not going to ask him if it's going to happen. But it's already out there. Pittsburgh, we had mentioned on the show yesterday had gone since February 8th without winning a game. They won yesterday, and they put away Wake late, which was key. Wake Forest did not score a field goal in the last 4.03 of that game. The Deeks were 0 of 8 on their final 8 shots. They were 2 of their final 12. Meanwhile, Pitt finished the game 5 of 6. So if you're looking for a late game storyline, there you go. That's one of them. Wake 2 of 10 on its last 10 shots. Pitt 7 of 10 on its last 10 shots. There was also something else. If you want to look at the late game statistics, there was a media, the under 4, at 3.07 in that game. Pitt was 3 for 4. Wake was 0 for 6 after that media. Wake just ran out of gas. Plain and simple. Ran out of gas. If you start to look at the actual... Statistical breakdown of that game. You had five Panther scorers in double figures. Justin Champagne, what a game for him. 31 points, 13 of 19 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 2 of 3 from the line. He also hauled in six rebounds. And you may have heard after the game, there was a question about whether he took it personally that he didn't make the all-freshman team in the ACC. And he said that there was no disrespect to the guys who made it, that they were all deserving, but yeah, he took it personally. I think he showed that yesterday. I'm not sure how Justin Champagne didn't make that team, but what an outstanding, outstanding effort for the Panthers yesterday. Trey McGowan's with 14 for the Panthers, 6 of 13, 1 of 2 from both 3 and the line. He also grabbed 3 boards, dished out 4 assists. Then you had Johnson, Tony, and Koulibaly all with 10 each. For Pittsburgh, I said this as the game was going on, and I I don't understand either team's uh, mentality late in the game. Because late in the game, you had Adis Tony, 
who hurt his foot and he was clearly struggling. I didn't understand why Wake didn't try to ISO on him, try and back him down, post him up, because he clearly had that foot that he was favoring. Instead, Wake settled for just a couple of really bad offensive possessions. They took a contested three. They had a bad angle on a layup. They just they, they looked disjointed offensively. And as I said yesterday, that comes down to one thing, and you know what that is. Conversely, I didn't understand why Pitt didn't go after Musius more. Musius had four fouls late in the game. You want to put an ISO on him, try to get him to commit that fifth foul, and he eventually did. I just didn't understand the philosophy of not going after either Musius or Tony late in the game. Pitt, 34 of 65 from the field, 52.3%. They were 37.5%, 6 of 16 from 3, and they were 7 of 10 from the free throw line. 29 rebounds for Pitt. They dished out 17 dimes on 34 makes. Wake Forest, meanwhile, got three double-digit scorers. Olivier Saar, a double-double, 20 points, 13 boards. He had four fouls, nearly fouled out himself. Musius with 19, a career high. Most of those early in the first half, though, as he battled foul trouble. He only played 29 minutes. Those 19 points coming on 7 of 9 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 2 of 4 from the line. He also grabbed six boards. Childress, in his final game, he had 17 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 4 of 5 from the line in 38 minutes for Brandon Childress. Deke shot 45.8% from the floor, 27 of 59, 8 of 22 from 3, 36.4, including a few contested threes late that they kind of chucked, and 10 of 14 from the line, 71.4%. You start looking at the hustle stats, kind of the breakdown of things. There were a few things that stood out. Most of the stuff, turnovers, points off, all that, fairly even. Not much to dig into there, but points in the paint. Pittsburgh, 42-28 to 28 over the Deacons. And that's with Olivier Saar having 20 points. That's a significant difference. Pitt played downhill for a lot of that game and imposed its will in the paint. That was a big-time number. Also, steals. You talk to any coach at all, He'll talk to you about active hands defensively. He'll talk to you about deflections, about steals. Not to bring up Pat Kelsey again, but that is very much a Pat Kelseyism. He comes from the Skip Prosser school of active hands on defense. Steals, deflections, turnovers for touchdowns. Pittsburgh, 11 steals, wake two. A big, big significant number. Wake had trouble getting out in transition. They're not really a transition team anyway, but they had trouble getting out in transition. Pittsburgh, 1.246 points per possession yesterday. 16 of 21 on layups. We were talking about those points in the paint. 16 of 21 on layups. It's a big, big number. 11 offensive boards, also a big number for the Panthers. Wake, meanwhile, not bad. 1.075 points per possession. They were 9 of 21 on layups. We talked about Pitt being 16 of 21. Wake, 9 of 21. Deeks struggling to convert at the 10. When you have bad angles, when you have solid contests at the paint, in the paint, that's what happens. So now Wake Forest ends its season, again possibly ending Danny Manning's time coaching Wake. We shall see. Meanwhile, Carolina, we talked about we were we were right and wrong in this game. And you may be confused about right and wrong. Let me explain. I said yesterday that 
if Cole Anthony had more of the game that we've come to expect from him, then Carolina might run away with it. Carolina did run away with it, but Anthony didn't really have the game we were coming to expect from him. Anthony, one of four double-digit scorers for the Tar Heels. Garrison Brooks, again, 20 points on 6 of 11 from the field. He had four boards. Brandon Robinson right behind him, 17 points, 5 of 8, 5 of 6 from 3. And then you had Armando Baycott with 12 and 11 boards, a double-double for him. And Cole Anthony, just two boards shy of a double-double himself, 10 points, 8 boards, but 3 of 10 from the field. Carolina wins the game 78-56. And Virginia Tech really just hit a wall late in the season. You had to expect that was going to happen. A lot of young kids, the third youngest team in America. Carolina outscored them 46-30 in the second half, and really they just they kind of ran out of gas. We were talking about Wake running out of gas. Tech really ran out of gas and got run out of the building by Carolina. The best is yet to come for them. Mike Young even said as much in his postgame presser, and really I have every reason to believe him especially if you look at how talented those young kids are. But, I mean, you look at some of what they put up yesterday. They had three double-digit scorers, Hunter Couture, 14, 5 of 11 from the deck for him. Jalen Cohn, 11, 3 of 11. He was on fire for a minute from three, but then finished 2 of 8, 3 of 11 overall from the floor. And Landers Nolly, 10 points on 4 of 11 from the field. Tech just 18 of 62, 29% from the floor. They were 9 of 31 in each half. 10 of 36 from three, 27.6%. They did shoot well at the line, 90.9. But really, they were not in that game at any point. It's kind of a sad end to what really is a promising season. Numbers be damned for Tech. Again, looking at hustle stats in that game, Turnovers, points off turnovers, not all that significant, but total rebounds, 45-30 Carolina, 32-19 defensively, 13-11 offensively. 15-14 on putbacks, Tech had the significant bench points advantage, 29-14, but points in the paint, Carolina 32, Tech 12. If you get 12 points in the paint, especially against Carolina, that's really not a good sign. And so Carolina advances, Tech finishes its season, 16 and 16, still alive for an NIT bid. I don't know whether they'll take it. I don't know whether it's wise for them to take it, but they are still alive for it. Tech, 0.918 points per possession yesterday. 61 possessions, 22 scores. They were 5 of 14 at the basket. Carolina, meanwhile, 9 of 13, at least on layups. 1.3 points per possession for the Tar Heels yesterday. So the Tar Heels advance as does Pittsburgh. Now both of those teams will have to turn around and play again later today. We'll talk about their matchups and the other two we have today to look forward to. But first, we'll go ahead and take the first break. This is Locked on ACC, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Come back with us. We'll go into today's matchups in a little more detail. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Locked on ACC for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020, segment two. Let's talk about what we have to look forward to today in ACC basketball. We have four games. They start with Clemson and Miami at noon. That is an ESPN game. Tigers minus three and a half now. There's a lot of really good analysis on this game and what to expect from it from our good friends over at Locked on Clemson. If you're looking for a podcast to listen to right after you get done here, 
I would strongly suggest you check out Locked On Clemson. They'll actually be on site in Greensboro. They'll have all your analysis there, all the reports from the site that you would ever need if you were a Clemson Tiger aficionado. Some interesting stuff to look at when you start to break down this game. And again, we, we've been talking about these projections, these predictions quite a bit numerically as we've gone on. Two different predictors from Nolan Analytics on Clemson and Miami. One of them has 70 to 66 Clemson in the battle of the 15 and 15 clubs. The other has them dead even, 68 up. In that last predictor where they're even, Clemson a 53-47 win probability. But still, you look at that game, it is, as most of these have been thus far, a toss-up. And it's really kind of bad to start you know, looking at these predictors and think, well, these teams are even. There's just no way to project them. Clemson 15 and 15, 9 and 11 in the ACC. They are 73rd, according to Ken Palm coming into this, 82 in the net. Pretty much no real shot for them to go to the NCAA unless they win this thing. There is the possibility for them to go to the NIT, though. They'll be playing for that. Alamir Dawes has really come on of late. Uh, he's had some late game heroics. Same with John Newman the third. Tevin Mack has been big. Of course, as Matt talked about on Locked on Clemson yesterday, he was talking about how Tevin Mack kind of lost his legs at the end of the Georgia Tech game. That happens. Amir Sims, another big-time performer for the Tigers. Clemson, not really all that proficient offensively. They get it done on defense. They only score 66.4 a game. They allow 64.1 per game. Miami, meanwhile, 15-15, and 7-13 and 13 in the ACC. Decanes just now starting to get healthy again. That's been big for them. Miami, we should also point out 104 in Ken Palm, 102 in the net. Miami finally has Chris Likes back. They have DJ Vasilovich, who's been big. Isaiah Wong, same thing. Miami scores a little more, 71.4, but they, they have real problems stopping anybody. 73.4 points per game they allow. That makes them 14th among ACC clubs. That game kicks us off today at noon, again, over ESPN. Just after them, right around 2.30 or so, the way I always tell people is 27 minutes after the horn of the first game, you'll have Pittsburgh, the 13 seed, and NC State, the 5 seed, that again over ESPN. We've seen Pittsburgh already once in this tournament. NC State, as we've mentioned, the 5 seed. They come into this one kind of really playing for their lives. They're 19 and 12, 10 and 10 in the ACC. They finished tied for sixth, 51st in Ken Palm, 54 in the net. As of last night, again, I don't know how much stock you want to put in the Lunardi and what he does, but Lunardi had them as the last team in, the very last team in, which means they would go to whatever play-in site we're going to have. Not sure whether Dayton will be utilized or somewhere else will. Five and five in their last 10. They have four prolific scorers in Markel Johnson, C.J. Bryce, Devin Daniels, D.J. Funderburk. Also, Manny Bates, one of the top defenders in the league. Jericho Helms has been big for them in several games. They score about 75 points a game. They're third best in the league at that. They allow just over 70 points a game. I'm curious about the health of Adis Tony. I'm curious about whether or not Trey McGowan's has a big game again. There are a lot of question marks around this game. As Tony goes, Pitt goes, I think. This doesn't seem to me to be one of those games that ends up a blowout. 
Again, I'm no prognosticator, but the person who is a prognosticator is no on analytics. They have two different breakdowns. One slightly favors NC State, 70-65, with a 67-33 win probability for the pack. The other really favors State, 73-61 in that metric, a 74-26 win probability for NC State. That game again, around 2.30 on ESPN. The night games, BC-Notre Dame at 7 o'clock, the 7-10 game in this one. Both of those teams will take the deck for the first time in Greensboro. The 10-seed Boston College, 13-18, 7-13 in the ACC, 3-7 over their last 10. They are 177 in Ken Palm, 153 in the net. They are... Kind of a mixture of young and old. Derek Thornton, Nick Popovich, two big seniors. Both of them averaging double figures. Jay Heath, the other double-digit average. He's a freshman. BC only scoring 64.8 points a game. That's 14th best in the ACC. They give up almost 70 and a half a game. I'm curious about whether or not BC can effectively defend against Notre Dame, particularly down low. That's going to be a big thing because Notre Dame has shown their proclivity to get it done around the bucket, particularly with John Mooney. John Mooney is a matchup nightmare for anybody. I'm really concerned about what Notre Notre Dame can do with BC down low with John Mooney. Notre Dame, meanwhile, you look at them, they are the seventh seed in this tournament, as we've discussed. They are 18 and 12, 10 and 10, just like NC State. They are 56 in the net, 59 in Ken Palm. They have three double-digit scorers in their lineup. Prentice Hub, 12 a game. TJ Gibbs, 13.2 a game. And Mooney, 16.5 a game. Mooney averaging a double-double, nearly 13 boards a game as well. Dane Goodwin has been big for them off the bench. He's averaging also in double figures at 10.7. Nate Leshevsky has also hit some big shots for them. Notre Dame scores a little over 74 a game, gives up a little over 69 a game. Again, I'm not a prognosticator. I just don't see a way BC hangs with Notre Dame in this game. The lines tend to agree with me. Notre Dame minus nine in this game. The projections from Nolan, one of them, 74-64 Irish. Notre Dame with an 80-20 win probability advantage in that game. The other, 75-63 Notre Dame, 74-26 for the Irish. I'll be really surprised if BC wins this one. And then if they don't, do the discussions start with the vulture circling around Jim Christian? for better or worse. We shall see in that one. That'll be a prevailing storyline after that game, assuming it doesn't go BC's way. And then finally, the nightcap, Syracuse, North Carolina. No real line set on that game as of now. That will change, obviously. But as of now, no line set on that game. We've seen Carolina, we've seen Cole Anthony not have his biggest of games, but we've seen Garrison Brooks step up. We've seen Brandon Robinson step up. And they're really going to need that effort from both of those guys again, especially considering Christian Keeling is at the very least kind of bothered by an ankle issue. Assuming he'll be able to play, we're not completely sure as of the time we tape this, whether or not he'll be able to play. He struggled yesterday with it. If he can't play, it's a big loss. But Brandon Robinson stepped up big in his stead yesterday. Syracuse, meanwhile, 17-14, and 10-10. In ACC play, they are number 56 in Ken Palm, 64 in the net coming into this. And they have 
Joe Girard, nearly 13 points a game. Elijah Hughes, nearly 19 points a game. Dolajai, just over 10 a game. They have some offensive firepower, but where they make hay is defensively with that zone. Although opponents haven't really had all that much of a problem scoring against them this year. While they score 74.1 a game, they give up 69.8, that being 10th among ACC schools. We'll have to see how well that zone can contain North Carolina, particularly with as effective as Brooks and Baycott and Robinson have been lately. If Carolina runs cutters, if they can penetrate that zone somehow, what they'll need to do is to use Anthony to draw that zone out toward him and then run cutters behind it. They'll have to set screens. They'll have to set multi-level screens and free guys. But Carolina's got the athletes to pull it off. Whether or not they can, we'll have to see. The predictors on this game, kind of intrigued by what they have to say. One of the predictors at Nolan has it 76-73 for Syracuse, 61-38 or 39, depending on who you listen to, in probability. The other has it 74-74 with 52-48 in Syracuse's favor. I would lean much more toward the latter. We'll have to see whether or not Cole Anthony is successful at breaking that zone. We'll have to see how effective Brooks and Baycott and Robinson can be in the paint. And we'll have to see whether or not Carolina can defend. Those are your storylines. It's really tough to contain Elijah Hughes. That'll be a big storyline as well. There's a lot to look at in that game. That might be the best game you see all day tomorrow. Four pretty good games, but that North Carolina-Syracuse game, I'm really looking forward to watching. Just as a fan of basketball, I'm not really a fan of either team. But if you just like watching good college basketball, that should be a game you want to watch. So four games today. The first two on ESPN. The two night games, though, they are on ESPN2. So if you're looking for those games, be mindful. They are on ESPN2, not on ESPN Notre Dame, BC, 7 o'clock, Carolina, Syracuse, 27 minutes after the final horn on that one. Speaking of final horns, let's go ahead and blow the final horn on this program. We'll come back, run down baseball and softball from yesterday. You are listening to Locked on ACC. Stay where you are. Back right after this. Welcome back, everyone, to Locked on ACC. March 11th, 2020. I'm Brian. Segment three of the program. Let's take a look at yesterday's baseball and softball action. We'll start in Charlottesville, where UVA goes to 12-2 at Dishroon Park this year. Max Cotier had a single-game record yesterday, scored five runs. He was the 11th player in program history, the first in 11 years to score five in a game as UVA laid the wood to UMass Lowell 24-5 Cavaliers, a big-time offensive output for UVA. They are number 25 in the nation. Second-ranked Louisville gets it done against Chicago State, 13-2. North Carolina beats Gardner-Webb, 13-6 over in Chapel Hill. Virginia Tech throttles William & Mary, 19-4. BC over Holy Cross, 10-7. Number 24, Clemson hammers Presbyterian, 12-0. Davidson defeats Duke. Duke, the 10th-ranked Blue Devils, played Davidson in BB&T Ballpark in Uptown Charlotte. The Wildcats get the 7-6 victory in the Queen City. While we're speaking of Charlotte, the 49ers 
go on the road to Raleigh and beat 11th-ranked NC State 9-8 yesterday. So big-time wins for Charlotte-area schools against ACC programs. Number 15, Florida State blanks number one, Florida 2-0. South Florida beat Pittsburgh 12-8. And Georgia Tech knocks off number 18, Auburn, that final 6-2 for the Yellow Jackets. Today's game's around ACC baseball. If you're looking for some baseball to watch instead of basketball, you'll have 10 options. Starting with UMass Lowell taking on Virginia. That an 11 a.m. start if you're looking for some early baseball. Noon, Chicago State, number two, Louisville. Four o'clock for George Mason, Virginia Tech. Also four o'clock for VMI, North Carolina. Notre Dame at Radford. Winthrop at number 24, Clemson at six o'clock. Also six o'clock for North Carolina A&T at number 11, NC State. Wake Forest at Coastal Carolina. Illinois State at number 15, Florida State. And number seven, Miami at number 12, UCF. They're your baseball scorers for yesterday and your outlook for today. Let's switch over to the softball diamond really quickly. NC State beats Norfolk State 7-1. Virginia over Bucknell 2-1. Pittsburgh beats Furman 4-3. Notre Dame over UC Santa Barbara 2-0 in 5. Virginia then beat Bucknell in the second game yesterday 2-1. Number 19, Virginia Tech beats George Washington 9-0 in 6. NC State over Norfolk State in Game 2, 10-2. Clemson shuts out Presbyterian, 5-0. And North Carolina knocks off Tennessee, 3-2. Your games for today, if you want to watch some college softball action, six of them on the docket. Pittsburgh at Charlotte, a 3 o'clock first pitch. 4 o'clock for number 19, Virginia Tech at George Mason. 6 o'clock for North Carolina and Lipscomb. Also, Elon Duke. And number 10, Florida State, number 6, Florida, also Georgia Tech Mercer at 6 o'clock. They're your baseball and softball scores and outlook for today. And with that in the books, that puts today's show in the books. This has been Locked on ACC for March 11th, 2020. If you liked what you heard here, the Big Ten starts its basketball tournament today. Ask your smart speaker to play Locked on Big Ten Check out the other fine podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. See you back here tomorrow for more Locked On ACC. Love you. Mean it. <laughs>